0: As you know, we are running through the book of Genesis, literally, because we're not stopping to do a, a great verse by verse in each chapter, but we do take a segment out of each chapter and try to make it apply to our present-day life. And today we're in chapter 37. Not hard to make this one apply. You're going to see a transitional period that's happening in the book of Genesis now. Up until this point, Jacob has pretty much been our primary in the second half of the book of Genesis. But When you get to chapter 36, there's this little, I don't know if the Lord did it intentionally or not, but there's this little break. In chapter 36, we change gears and no longer is Jacob the primary. Esau gets an entire chapter we talk about the history of esau then in chapter 37 we go with joseph and from 37 on through the end of the book it's going to be joseph as our major character okay and so in chapter so 36 is kind of a, a moment it's, you know it's kind of like a rest area a rest stop and then boom okay we now okay now joseph all right so as we go into joseph chapter 37 i think you're going to see it's easily to easy applications for our life here are five questions for you that you can use to uh, study on your own, or if you're part of the School of Biblical Studies, you'll have them for the final test. You can kind of fill in the blanks as we go along. Got them? Screenshot that? All right. Genesis chapter 37. The question or the statement of the theme, if you want to go with it, is, what life, excuse me, when life is the pits? You ever feel like your life is just in the pits? ever feel like, man, it can't get any darker than this. Maybe you've got financial problems, uh, health problems, uh, relational problems, whatever it may be. And it just seems like your life is in the pits. Well, when life is the pits, you might want to stop and consider Joseph. You might also consider Jeremiah, my favorite prophet. Genesis 37, verse 24, and they took him, threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. This is what takes place to Joseph in Joseph's life by his brothers, of all people. And we'll see as the story unfolds here with my three points. We'll see why that takes place. But first thing I just need to see is that Joseph's in the pit. How did he feel while he's in the pit? What did he do while he's in the pit? We don't have a lot of information about that. But I am going to suggest to you in this lesson that there are at least three things that led to him being placed in the pit and three reactions that you and I can have because of that. But before we go there, I want to go to my favorite prophet, because the same thing happens to him. Jeremiah 38, and verse 6. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern, a pit basically, letting Jeremiah down by ropes. And there was no water in the cistern, but only mud. And Jeremiah sank in the mud. Can you imagine? That's your place. And it's because he spoke the truth. He was rejected by God's people because he spoke the truth. Not unlike what's happening to individuals who are courageously enough today speaking God's truth. They lose support, they they get fired from the pulpit, whatever it may be, and they're pushed aside. Jer- that's why Jeremiah is my favorite uh, prophet, because I can, I just relate to him so much. But here this poor guy is, preaching a difficult truth, but nevertheless saying it powerfully, and what do they do? They throw him in a pit. Okay, So you got Joseph, you got Jeremiah, you got the common picture of individuals that are called to do God's work, and yet they find that life is the pits. Sometimes that's what happens in ministry. All right, let's make some applications. All right, Genesis 37 and verse 4. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Um, Backstory, you're familiar with it, but Prior to this, Joseph has uh, had dreams in which he has family bowing down to him. And he, he tells his family about it. They're not happy, including his parents. He is clearly acknowledged as the most favorite son of his father. And he's been given a coat of many colors. That's what you really remember Joseph by, at least his early years, I suspect. And so all of these things have added up to make the brothers not just jealous, but hate. they evidently hate him. And before he gets thrown into the pit, you notice that they've got this particular context, that they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. One of the things that's going to happen when life is in the pits is you're going to have verbal cruelty thrown in your direction. People are going to say things that are dishonest, uh, that are cruel. That, that, that are designed to make you hurt. So the sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Completely untrue. Words hurt, often hurt worse than sticks and stones. So how do you deal with that? Matthew chapter five and verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Two things he says, if you are being verbally abused on, the, on account of Jesus, he says you're blessed. And I'll tell you why. Number, two things. Number one, your reward in heaven is great. And number two, you're among good company. The prophets, remember Jeremiah in the previous slide, the prophets before you, they were also persecuted in horrible ways. So if you find yourself in ministry of any kind, and you find yourself being rejected verbally by those who should know better, those who should have deeper spiritual priorities. Remember, you're not alone. In fact, you're part of a long line of individuals who was persecuted in a very similar way. Joseph's brothers couldn't even speak peacefully to him. Jesus will tell us, when that happens to you, feel blessed because your reward is great. Hang in there. Your reward is great. And number two, remember, you're part of a long line of, of individuals, truth speakers, who were abused verbally. Number two, when life is the pits, there's going to be physical cruelty as well. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, and the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. So Joseph is going to be verbally abused, and once the brothers get him alone out in the countryside, and they recognize Daddy's not around to defend him, they strip him of the coat of many colors. Now, if you read the context, the context seems to indicate that they were planning to kill him. And yet uh, Judah's going to speak up, and uh, I don't know whether to give Judah credit or to give Judah fault in this particular situation, but he's going to speak up. He says, hey, instead of doing that, we ought to make a profit off of him. And they're going to sell him, as you know. But before we get to that particular point, I want you to notice the physical abuse that is happening. And so even if you have physical abuse that comes your way, and I got to be honest with you, I haven't experienced a lot of that. Oh, I've had elders who didn't who needed to grow up and grow a backbone who fired me from positions, and and I've had individuals who have withdrawn support from my ministry, that kind of thing, and it it caused us some physical pain, and that we had to rearrange our budget and had to sacrifice some things, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That that's true, but I mean that that's nothing really if you think about it, compared to some of my friends. I got a good friend who's in who's in Uganda, and uh, he he hurts regularly. Uh, because of persecution around about him. Hebrews 12 is an interesting passage. Consider him who, de- who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. That's, of course, Jesus. So that they may not grow weary and faint hearted. He says, Consider Jesus. Don't grow weary. Don't grow faint hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted the point of shedding your blood. It's an interesting way of comforting us, but he's saying, you know, others have suffered worse than you have. And I know that's true even in my own personal ministry. Like I say, i got a good friend in Uganda who every day in his ministry, he, he's at risk. Some folks have actually suffered to the point of shedding blood, not me. And so when you get to the physical cruelty that often is associated with being God's person, until you shed blood, you might want to consider whether or not you should take any time to whine. Um... Playing basketball in the past when I was young and fit and all that, I, you know, no blood, no foul. You remember we, we, we often heard that on the basketball court. Well, perhaps that should be applied as well with regards to spiritual things. That's not—that's not to say there is no foul. It's not to say that those people who are hurting you are at right are, are right, or, but it is to say that you know you and I are blessed in such huge ways. The second thing I would suggest to you is that even when there's physical cruelty is. Is it to the level of shedding blood? If not, you might want to consider whether or not you have any real right to, to whine. You know what I'm saying? And then number three, and this is maybe the biggest one for me, hopeless cruelty. The caravan comes by. I just can't imagine this. But the caravan comes by, and the brothers hate this, this younger brother so much that they concoct a plan to sell him. And so they drew drew Joseph up from the pit, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Now, the reason, think about this, the reason that is so cruel is because you know that they had to think we're never going to see him again. You know that they had to think he's going off into a horrible life. Perhaps they said to himself, Well, Daddy pampers him. Daddy allows him to have all the all the conveniences. He doesn't require him to work hard. So we're gonna send him off into Egypt. He'll become a slave and he'll he'll understand what it's like. But maybe I don't think they ever maybe they did. They hated him so much. I don't know. But think about the end game of this. He's never coming home. They they gotta be thinking to themselves. We're never gonna see him again. It had to be a lot like a child abduction today in America. When once they're outside the country, once the, the, the abductors have taken them off outside the country, I mean, the likelihood of you ever seeing them again is next to nothing. They had to know that. The cruelty. But maybe more importantly for Joseph, let's consider Joseph. Joseph is now at the bottom of a pit, looking up, hearing the clamor, perhaps hearing his brothers dicker and talk to these people, and thinking to himself, surely they won't do this. Surely they won't. They let the ropes down, they pull them out of the pit, and then sure enough, they push him toward the Ishmaelites. They see the money exchange. He sees the money being exchanged, perhaps. I don't know. But you know that in the process, he's got to be saying to himself, this is a really bad joke. They're not going to let this happen. But as he is being herded toward Egypt, and over his shoulder, he can see in the faint distance, his brothers, maybe laughing, sitting around the... The camp, whatever, not even concerned, not chasing after him. It begins to register. They're not coming after me. They're, this, is, this is really happening. He gets to Egypt and he's going to be sold, as you'll see in the next chapter. He's going to be sold into slavery. How is Joseph feeling at this point? I'll tell you how Sonny's feeling. I'm. Th- I'm feeling hopeless. I'm thinking, this can't be. I've been in situations, perhaps you have as well, where I've had somebody hurt me and there was no recourse. Nothing you could do about it. All you could do is stand there and accept the hurt. And I'm telling you that's one of the the most hurtful hurts that you can hurt. Because it's hopeless, right? There's no recourse, you don't see it doesn't seem like there's any justice to be had. When you find yourself in that situation, I want to remind you what Paul will say to the Romans in chapter 12. Beloved Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, and then watch this, I will repay, says the Lord. It's hard for our little carnal minds to capture the reality of the future that has been promised us. Faith is a tough one. That's why we're told repeatedly to build our faith. But we need to recognize that God says, my people will be avenged. It will take place. And so in those moments when you've got to hold your tongue, in those moments when it seems like hopeless cruelty is coming your way, there will be no resolution to this. Understand and know, God promises there will be. It may not be in your lifetime, but there will be a time when resolution will take place. God will repay. Hopeless cruelty? No, it's not hopeless at all because our God is in control of that. <laughs> Lastly, by way of review, when life is the pits, remember there's ver- verbal cruelty, physical cruelty, hopeless cruelty. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. The temptation to strike back, the temptation to give up, the temptation to blame God. All of these temptations, he says common to man it's happened before nothing new under the sun somebody has had it just as bad as you and others have had it worse there's no temptation that has come that is not common to man but watch this god is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability somebody said if you're at the end of your rope tie and not hold on because god will not let you fall if you fall it's because you choose to fall Oh, you know, I've also often heard it too, said that, you know, if you're in a room of temptation, look for an open window because God's got one. He's going to say, God is saying he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with every temptation, he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Whatever you're struggling with, verbal, physical, hopeless, cruelty, know this. There's a way of escape. There's something that you can do. There is. Watch for it. Look for it. I posted just this morning two of the most important things for you to do at the initial stage of your day. And the second one you're going to think is kind of silly. The first one you're going to know already. But the first one is to pray. Before you ever start the day, first thing I do before I ever get out of bed is I spend a lengthy period of time talking to God. The second thing is to make your bed. After you spend time with God, make your bed. The reason is because you're taking care of the clutter in two of your Areas of existence, spiritual and physical. Pray to God, take care of the clutter that's in your life there, physical. The biggest piece of furniture in your room is your bed. The most obvious piece of furniture in your bedroom is your bed. Make it. Get that clutter out of your life so that when you launch your day, you can launch it from an organized, God-centered position. Well, the same thing, I think, or the applications of that can be drawn here as well. Your day is going to include verbal, physical, and hopeless cruelty. Almost all of them are going to have, to some level, you're going to have some of that go on in your life. So how do you prepare for it? Well, make sure that you go to God and you tell God, I am counting. I am banking on the promise that you made in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that you will not not trap me. Or allow me to be trapped, I should say. You'll not allow me to be trapped in a room without a window of escape. And so as you approach verbal, physical, and hopeless cruelty, recognize that your God has this. If you'll patiently look for him in the midst of the darkness, he is there and he'll take care of it. Here are five questions that we tried to cover during that study. Screenshot that. You got it? Well, I appreciate you for joining me. I love you so very, very much. It means the world that we can be together each time and continue to make application to the book of Genesis.